gift it is to be here. All right, if you wouldn't stand with me, I'd like to read a scripture for you. This is the reading of God's word. We, we stand in respect and in reverence for what God has said. This is from Psalm 34 and also James chapter 1. It says this. It says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you, his godly people, for those who fear him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, became his prize possession. This is the word of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Grab a seat. Welcome home, everybody. So happy to see you. If you don't know me, my name is David. I'm one of the pastors here. Just really grateful to be able to share um, from God's Word today. A special hello to anyone not here today joining us online, uh, either right now or maybe the folks serving up in our kids' area after service. Just grateful that you are joining us. Um, and really, no matter where you are joining us, um, I'm just grateful because I truly believe God wants to bless you during worship today. I truly believe that as you give him your time today, your attention, he wants to give you more and more of his presence in return. And so just welcome home. We're so glad you're here. And um, buckle up because it's going to be a great day with the Lord. All right. So let's get on with it. If you didn't know, uh, today is what we call, as Pastor Becca said earlier, it's, it's called fall kickoff here at Highlands Church. Now, what does this mean? Well, at the beginning of each ministry year, we like to roll out kind of an overarching theme or what we call a focus for what we believe God wants us to process in the coming year. And we started this two years back, kind of coming out of the craziness of 2020 into 2021. And, and we started with just a single word two years ago, and that was onward. We were committed to moving on, forgetting what came before, but pressing on towards the prize with Jesus as a vision. And, and last year, we built on this, this one word, onward, with... Um, with the, with the phrase, following Jesus together. It was a statement that went on to define our mission as a church, that, that while we might not always know where we're going onward, you know, we always know who we're following. And that is Jesus and his heart and his way. We're following Jesus together. And now, for this ministry year, I believe God is calling us into an attitude. God is calling us to focus our attention on an attitude and a perspective and a priority, and, and, and that is that God wants us to see the good. God wants us to see the good in this coming year. Now, out, out of all the things that we could be talking about on any given year, why is it that we believe that God is leading us to this end, to see the good? Well, I, I believe first it's because of how easy it is for, it is for us as people to, to not see the good, but rather to see the bad. It's so easy for us to assume the worst, even here in the church. Um, it's so easy to, to neglect the good that God is doing. Hmm. To be a people that assume the worst, a people that approach life, approach life not from the, the supernatural lens of being a co-heir with Christ, but instead that we would just be bound up by a pessimistic and often negative humanistic perspective. Are you with me? Everyone just consider for a moment 
the last time you assumed the worst in a situation? Or maybe in another person. Seriously, just take a second. It shouldn't take long for us to think about the moment that we were last cynical in our spirit or we were proactively judgmental. I imagine for some of us it happened this morning, maybe in the last hour, maybe in the last 10 minutes, maybe it's happening right now and you're like, Pastor David, why are you talking about this? I get it. But I also get that it's easy to slip into a mindset of negativity. It's easy to slip into a mindset of assuming the worst. Life is hard. Things happen. But hear me when I say this, because here is some good news coming at you. Hard. As Christians, as Christians, you were not made or saved to see the world through a pessimistic lens. You were not brought from death to life by the power of Jesus to assume someone else's past is permanent or their situation is impossible. You were not loved by God to limit your affection or limit your positive assumption towards others based on your expectations. And you weren't welcomed into the kingdom of God by grace through faith to evaluate the world that God so loves with a realistic spirit. That is not who God remade you to be. Just like we heard in James chapter 1, it says we have been born again. Born again into a whole new reality informed by and established on the true word of God who is Jesus. This means if you're a Christian, then your everyday perspective has been replaced with the outlook, the eternal outlook of Christ. You have now been able to see beyond the veil of, of human circumstance and into what heaven might do here and now. And that means, that means in all things you were saved to see the good. To assume that all things are now possible because now you are one. You are one with the creator of the universe. And this is the Christian frame of reference moving forward. It's also the Christian confession that we are a people born again to see the good. And so for the next year, we're going to be processing this grand theme of seeing the good. Imagine, imagine how helpful this will be when the elections come along, right? You got me? And so for the next year, we're going to be covering this see the good together as a community, this attitude of optimism. But for the next couple of weeks, as we break this down, we're going, to be, we're going to be building on this focus, talking about a few key things. We're going to be talking about how to see the good in situations, we're going to talk about how to see the good in us and in those around us. And we're going to talk about seeing the good that God wants us to do with him out in the world. But before we get there, all of this good that we're talking about, all of this good is still predicated on what I'd like to start with today. And that is that we would see the good of God. That would see the goodness of God. We just sang this together. I will sing the goodness of God. And so again, we're going to be covering seeing the good in situations and people and in our work, but, but starting first with the foundation, and that is the goodness of God. Does that sound good? Yeah. Amen. Let's pray as we get started. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we believe that you're speaking to us. We believe that you are with us and you want to meet us in this moment, that God that there is so much that we carry in with us today that you want us to look beyond. You want to calm our hearts and minds. That you want to bring peace to our souls today. And so God, we ask that you would just lay heavy on us. Holy Spirit, come. Lay heavy on us today so we might begin to see the good. So Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. 
All right, so as we begin today talking about seeing the goodness of God, I'd like to start with a bit of a confession, and that is I am what you might call a complicated person. And I know deep down we're all a little wild, Doug Lang, for example, right? Doug? You know, right? We're all a little, all get a little wild sometimes. But I really am a complicated person sometimes because I have a tendency of living in two worlds of perception. First, I, I tend to have a really, I would say, critical eye, not cynical, but critical eye towards moments and experiences. While I'm simultaneously extremely enthusiastic and optimistic toward things I haven't tried quite yet. So on the front end, I might think that something might be the best thing in the, in the world, um, but when I actually get into it, I tend to shift and be like, all right, prove it to me, prove it to me. Show me why it's good. Anyone else need to see to believe? Yeah, I see one hand. Christopher, I got you. For example, as many of you know, Rebecca and I, we love good food. And, and some of it is, is the food itself. Some of it's the experience. Some of it's just being out together. And so when we first moved to Los Angeles, um, I went online immediately and I Googled, like, best restaurants near me. And at the top of the list was this place that, that was getting all the rave reviews. It's on La Brea. It's called Republique. And y'all, when I first looked it up, it looked so good. The reviews were amazing. One of the chefs had a James Beard Award, which means it's really, really good. Um, but because it was so good, it was really hard to get into. And anyway, so one night, after searching for months, um, the Lord blessed us on Open Table and made it happen. And we made our way down to La Brea. And listen, I had really high hopes. I had high hopes because I'm an enthusiast, right? But, and, I, and I knew because of the reviews of what everyone said about it, that it was good, it was really good. But after we were sat, and I was looking at the menu, I was like, man, I just don't know about this. I just don't know. I, it, was, it was a bunch of stuff I wouldn't normally choose to eat and that, yes, people raved about. But again, for me, I was like, man, you got to prove to me that this is good. Prove it. Show me why you're so good. And so while we're sitting there, gazing lovingly into one another's eyes on this day, all of a sudden, the server comes up with this little cup of soup and says, compliments of the chef. And I was like, oh, this is great. Thank you. I love compliments of the chef. What kind of soup is this? And the server said, it is mushroom bisque. And I said, thank you. But my mind immediately went to, I don't, I don't like mushrooms. <laughs> I don't like mushrooms. And so, and so I said, Becca, do you want my soup? And she said, she said, David, just taste it. Taste it and see if it's good. And so I picked up, I picked up my spoon and kind of stirred it around like my six-year-old daughter would. You know what I mean? Like, I kind of looked at it, kind of smelled it, I, I, and I pulled it out, and I took the smallest possible bite. It was more of a, a lick. But when I did, it was like, guys, it was like my eyes were opened to the glory of the Lord shining down on me through mushrooms. It was legitimately the greatest bite of soup I have ever tasted in my life but my mind, friends, at, at first pass was still doubting. It was like, this can't be good. It's mushrooms, right? And so I tasted it again, and then again, and then I, I just picked up the cup and started to drink it. And I started to kind of lick around the outside before I reached across the table to grab Becca's too, because it was so good. And I heard it would be. I knew it would be. This isn't, this isn't like novel information. It's out there. All the reviews were in saying this place was incredible. But now that I tasted and I 
I've seen, I've experienced its goodness firsthand. And listen, I know we're not here to talk about soup, although it really was phenomenal. <laughs> Friends, it's in the same way that I believe God wants us to approach him in our faith. God doesn't want us to have a blind positivity or make secondhand assumptions when it comes to him. He doesn't want us to internalize the reviews of others or personalize their experience and bring with us our own preconceptions. No, he wants us to have an informed, lived-in optimism. He wants us to what? Taste and see his goodness. And if you're taking notes today, this is more than anything what I need you to process this morning. God wants you to taste and see that he is good. He doesn't want us to build our faith on someone else's recommendation or Yelp review. He wants, us to, he wants to prove to us that he really is that good. Compliments of the chef. He wants us to experience and to see the good firsthand. Still, if we're honest, just being real, just kind of back to some of our human tendencies, to naturally see the good in things is a challenge. And to naturally see the good in God, even, can be a bit of a challenge. And it makes sense. It makes sense. In fact, a recent poll was taken that says, really says it all. They, when they reported that the top three reasons people have a hard time believing in God or believing in the goodness of God, it comes from the sheer lack of goodness they see all around them on a daily basis. And the top three reasons they cite for a lack of of goodness, or the heart uh, to assume the worst in this is evil, pain, and injustice. Perceived evil, experienced pain, and observed injustice in the world. I wonder if anyone here has ever perceived evil. I wonder if anyone here has ever experienced pain. I wonder if anyone here has ever observed injustice in the world. Anybody? It's not hard to see any of those challenges. Just turn on the TV, scroll on social media, talk to your friends. Evil, pain, and injustice are just about everywhere we look as human beings. From war overseas to politics to sickness, natural disaster. I mean, did, a couple weeks ago we heard about the fires in Maui, and now we're hearing about the earthquake in Morocco. It's so easy to say that things are not good. Even here in our own church, man, it's been a tough couple months, right? We've had seven people in our own church who have died to go be with the Lord in the last couple months. Evil, pain, and injustice aren't hard to see. And these realities within our human experience, even for the best of us, the most faithful of us, they, they create in us a pause that distracts us from seeing the goodness of God. Or even challenge in our hearts and minds God's goodness altogether. And it prompts questions like, man, if God is so good and, and so powerful, how could he allow this stuff to happen? These are the questions that are asked and that we ask ourselves. Questions that bring us to a place where, where it doesn't even matter how good the reviews of God have been. Even if we want to believe God is good, how can we? And so, friends, so many don't. Many don't. But y'all, I'm here to tell you again that if you're a Christian, 
your focus has supernaturally changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And your true 2020 vision is now to see the good. That is your standard. That is your baseline. To see beyond the veil of human experiences. You have been, friends, you have been born again into a new realm of possibility and have been given new eyes, new minds, and new hearts to see and perceive the world. Friends, the crutch they exist with, the crutch of evil and pain and injustice, while certainly an effective distraction outside these doors, if you're with Jesus, then they are ultimately little more than temporary manipulations that the enemy wants to use to dilute your faith. And that's because, in the end, you have been welcomed by God. You have been welcomed into a home where the doors are always open and the table is always set for you to taste and see that he is good. So what can we do? How can we get there? In a world that assumes the worst, a world that we still call home for now, how can we break free from this perspective and begin to see the good and assume the best of the one who saved us? Well, if you're taking notes, I've got two, I would say, simple practices that I want to run past you today that we can all embrace as we begin this new season. Two things that we can all do to better know and experience, to taste and see that the Lord is good. So two things. We need to have open eyes to see and open hearts to receive. Open eyes to see the good and open hearts to receive his goodness. And, and I want to approach these two practices from perhaps an unexpected but all too familiar passage found in Psalm chapter 23. And so if you have your Bibles, why don't you follow me quickly? Psalm 23. In this text, uh, this God is speaking through David, King David, in a season of evil, in a season of pain. In a season of injustice, as he, David, is supernaturally able to see beyond the veil of his circumstances and to claim the goodness of God with open eyes and an open heart. So check this out. It says this in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley of evil, pain, and injustice, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness, there it is, Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Now, I know this passage uh, is typically found at what? Funerals, right? But I truly believe this framework for how we can begin to shift our focus is found in this text, for how we can see the goodness of God. And again, it all starts with this first point. Of open eyes. If you want to see the goodness of God in your life, you must open your eyes to who He really is. 
Not your assumptions of who he is, not the reviews of others, but who he really is. Open your eyes to see who he's proved himself to be, that what he calls himself and what the scriptures confess to be true about him. Open your eyes and focus on him if you want to see his goodness. And while this might sound obvious, like, duh, open your eyes to see, I get it. It's amazing how often our eyes aren't focused on Jesus. It's amazing how often our eyes are pulled from Jesus and focused on lesser things. I know for me it happens all the time. It happens all the time. I get wrapped up in all sorts of secondary things that steal my attention and distract me from my, my attention from who he really is. And when I do, here's the deal. When my eyes drift from Jesus, it's not just my faith that suffers. It's my whole life. Why? Because when I take my eyes off of Jesus, I'm no longer seeing my life through his eyes. I'm no longer seeing my life through his perspective, his promises, his blessings, and his goodness. I start to see my my life through my own strength, my own complications, my own situations and circumstances. Where the ability that I have been given, we've all been given, if you're a Christian, the ability I've been given to see eternity in the temporary gets cloudy, and I revert back to a more realistic human expectation. And again, while it makes sense in the stresses of life to get distracted and, and want to make your own way, it's fight or flight, I, I understand that. I want to remind you that you have been given a gift called the Holy Spirit. And he wants to help you see God clearly. He wants to help you see and know what God is really like and then allow what you see, his goodness, to become your new baseline and your new perspective for all of life. Does that make sense? The Spirit wants to help you see God and then take the goodness you've witnessed and experienced and use it to change the way you see every other part of your life that you would see the good but again it all starts with his goodness and what is his goodness check this out from Psalm 23 that your God is a good shepherd he's a good shepherd he gives you what you need he leads you to rest and peace he renews your strength and he guides you along right paths this is the God you'll see with open You'll, you'll see that even when you walk through evil, when you experience pain and injustice, the darkest valleys, you have no reason to be afraid. Because with eyes open, you'll see that he's right beside you. This is your good shepherd that you'll see with open eyes. But that's not all. That's not all. Colossians chapter 1 goes on to describe Jesus, your good shepherd, as more than just a guide and more than just a protector. He is also the visible image of the invisible God, and he is supreme over all creation. He made everything, things we can see, the things we can't see, mountains and, and valleys and thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the seen and unseen world. This is our God. Before anything else, uh, and this is it, he holds all things together. He holds all things together. Y'all, this is the one who walks with you. This is your good shepherd who, who knows you and calls you by name. But also literally holds all of reality and creation on both sides of the veil together by his very word. And if that isn't enough, if that isn't enough, the Christian confession also says that this supremely good shepherd of the universe loves you. He loves you and, and follows close 
and provides for you and he's there for you and believes and wants to honor you and bless you with his goodness. This is your God. This is your God. All powerful, always present, always loving. This is your God, the one you'll see when you open your eyes to his goodness. Now what does this look like? Practically, how, how does one open their eyes to see God? Good question. Well, there are all sorts of simple things that you can do, like read your Bible, totally, spend time in prayer, worship, listen to the testimonies of others, show up to church, awesome, great methods. But the reality is, if you really want to see the goodness of God, you need to focus your life. No split vision, no crossed eyes. You need to turn away from the garbage of the world Keep your eyes closed to the things that hold you back. Put on blinders. You know, like when a horse goes down the road, put on blinders. Not to, not to the world that God so loves, but to the sin that so easily steals your attention. And we've all got sin, right? We've all got sin. We've all got something that has to go. And so we better, uh, we all got things that have to go to better see the goodness of God and so let it go. Put on your blinders. Close your eyes to the lies of the world that cement you to a perspective defined by your circumstances. And focus again. Focus again on the infinite, eternal vision that the Spirit wants to give you. So that's the first step uh, to a life of informed optimism where you see the good. Open your eyes. Focus on His goodness. That must come first. But from there... From there, the second step is that we would move beyond just what we see and that we would have an open heart, an open heart where we actually taste and internalize and receive the things we witness. It's not enough to simply acknowledge God's goodness. We need to choose to believe it and receive it. Back to Psalm 23, David, the writer, he knew that God was good. He knew his father, his shepherd, was good. But, but this belief wasn't simply a statement of faith for him. It wasn't an abstract understanding of who God was. No, it was a lived-in, experienced witness of his goodness. Over and over and over again in his life. David's reflection here in the midst of evil, pain, and injustice was an honest expression of his eternal perspective. How could that be as he's being chased by, by surrounding armies? It's because David had seen God move before. He'd seen God be God in his life. David had seen God do miracles and rescue him and carry him and care witnessed it and received his goodness with an open heart. David has tasted and seen that the Lord is good and faithful, and so his vision is that the Lord will be good and faithful again. And so with an open heart, he can say with sincerity in Psalm 34 that there's joy for those who take refuge in him. That those who respect the Lord for who he is, they will have all they need. Those that trust in the Lord will lack no good thing because James chapter one, whatever is good and perfect, the gift that comes down is from the Father, the one true God who created the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose us to give us this new this new life by his true word, as we out of all creation, I love this, became his prize possession. We became his prize possession. See the good. We are loved. We are his prize.
is, can you, can you process that today? Can you believe it? Out of all creation, we are God's prized possession. You are. When God, when God looks at all he's done, when God looks at all the world and all he's done and, and he measures all he's made, I want you to know he sees you at the top of the list. See the good, y'all. See his goodness. He loves you. The God who holds creation together loves you. The God who walks beside you loves you. The God who has no lack and no rival sees you and loves you and wants you more than anything to taste and see his goodness. To see the real him with open eyes and receive his love with an open heart. Again, to taste and see firsthand that he really is that good and then live from there in the wake of that perspective to see the good in all things. Friends, we occupy a world plagued by limitations. And we know. We live in a space plagued by negativity. The enemy is working double time to sell us a future of narcissistic pragmatism. A world without God and without hope, consumed by what's wrong, what could be wrong, and what will be wrong. But that is not our story. That is not our story, and we must be different. We were saved to see the good because we were saved by God's goodness. We have been given the ability through faith to see beyond the veil of what is into what could be because he holds all things together. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be building on this foundation of God's goodness by applying this perspective, again, into three main areas of life. We're going to be talking about God's goodness in our circumstances, in our situations. We're going to be talking about God's goodness in us as his people and also in the world around us. And finally, we're going to be talking about seeing the good God wants us to join him in doing. And so I want to encourage you, be here for the rest of this series. And I, I just invite anyone you know that needs good news. Invite anyone you know that needs some encouragement in any of these areas, because this is where God is taking us over the course of this year. To have a more accurate, biblical, spirit-filled perspective for how we must see the world as we walk these days with our good shepherd, through evil, through pain, through injustice, through good times and bad times. And so be here. So be here. But, but as we close today, I want to leave you today with just a bit of a challenge, but also a bit of a reminder. Uh, first, the reminder. So here at Highlands, we are contending for one another we are contending to be a church that chooses to see the good in all things and all people. This means we will not be a church that falls into patterns of negativity. We will not be a church that falls into patterns of cynicism. We do not have time for that. We were saved by God's goodness, so we will see the good in the Lord, one another, ourselves, and our situation. And this is our intention. This is our perspective 
and one we will not flex from. Come what may, friends, in the next year, politics, relationships, passions, preferences, whatever it might be in or outside of this church. Our conviction, friends, is that we must be a church that's moving toward the goodness of God and allowing His goodness to inform everything we see. And this is where we're going. And if this is hard for you, then it's going to stretch you. If this is hard for you, it's hard for me sometimes. If this is hard for you, it's going to stretch. But it's essential to the future that God wants us for us here at Highlands. And so here's the challenge. That's the reminder. Here's the challenge. As you go today, and inevitably a frustration arrives at your doorstep. Inevitably, a frustration arising happens and it leaves you feeling frustrated or disrespected or lost for direction, be it evil, pain, injustice, whatever it might be. What I'm saying is when life happens to you as you leave this building today and you catch yourself slipping back into a critical perspective, here's my challenge for you. I want for you to think, what might God do in this moment through me? And then verbally say, see the good. See the good. When you're fighting with your wife or your spouse this week, think, what might God do through me in this moment? Say, see the good in this moment. When you're driving to work and someone cuts you off on the 210, you know what's happening, you know what's happening. Start to think, Man, what might God do in this moment as I reflect his goodness out in the world? But I need to see the good. I need to see beyond the veil of that cutoff on the 210 and say, God, let your kingdom come here. Guys, when your friend starts talking about politics that you don't like or the news cycle and it keeps pushing this agenda, whether it's in our government or in our public schools, you know what I'm talking about? When you're in a new season or situation and, and you're feeling this sense of skepticism, almost this sense of like, like, all is lost, what could happen? I need you to say in your heart and mind, see the good. Tattoo it on your hand, whatever you need to do. See the good. Ask yourself, what might God do in this moment through me? Bring your focus back to Jesus, his goodness, and allow that reality to be your starting point for all that comes next. Guys, there are countless stories in the scriptures of how God's people, especially in the New Testament, God's people were able to see through their situation into what God might do next. And that will be true of us. I think about Paul. He's, he's locked up in chains in Philippi. And what does he do? Does he complain? Now he starts praying and he starts praising the Lord and what happens? The impossible happens. His chains are broken and the, the prison walls collapse and the door flies open. This is what's possible. This is what's possible with the spirit of God that lives within us. And so why would we, when we get in that situation where we're trapped in the prison of our own mind, of our own situation, why would we assume all is lost instead of Lifting up a praise to God. Friends, over the course of this year, we will learn to lift up a praise to God in the good times and in the bad. That we will praise God through the evil, through the pain, 
and through the injustice. And you know what's going to happen? We're going to see God do amazing things. And you know what that's going to do? It's going to feed our faith to keep going. To see the good. To see the good. Because you know what's ultimately good? What's coming next. In the end, when all things are made new, these days are just a breath. These days are just the prelude to the ultimate good. And so here's the challenge. And, I, and while I know it's absolutely counterculture in our world today to assume the best and see the good, friends, it is in fact the lens of heaven that we have been given. This perspective is what we will experience for all eternity, to see the good. And so I, for one, don't want to give another moment to the enemy by being pessimistic. I don't want to spend another minute living in a state of negativity. I don't know about you, but I want to have the mind of Christ. I want to taste and see. I want to be an informed optimist because of his work and his goodness. And I want to spend the rest of my days, I want to spend the rest of my days believing for blessing and what could be in Jesus' name if he so moves. And so that's where I want my attention to be. I don't want to be trapped in panic. I don't want to be trapped in the past. I don't want to be trapped regardless of how I arrive in a space, whether I bring it on myself or it comes to me. I don't want to live in a chronic state of disappointment. I want to see the good. And I want you to see the good too. And so what do you say? Let's choose to see the good, huh? Let's leave, every, honestly, let's leave everything else on the altar before the Lord today. And if there's something that you have to let go of, don't leave this room until you do. We'll have people down up front willing to pray for you today. I will pray for all of you today. But let's leave everything we have down on the altar. Our hurt, our fear, our failure, our panic, our past, our mistakes, our sin, our frustration, our disappointments, our preferences, and all the things, all the things that blind us from the goodness of God and hold us back from his future. Let us leave it all before the Lord today and see the good. So as we close today, I want to pray for you. And then we're going to go have a great time together as a church. Um, but let's, um, let's pray and then, and then we, can, we can hit the road. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see your goodness today. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see beyond the lies of this world the limitations that the world is placing on us, God. Give us eyes to see past that veil of our circumstances into what you might do on the other side, God. God, give us faith to see bigger. Give us faith to receive your blessings today. Give us faith even in the midst of trial, in the midst of evil and pain and, and, and injustice, God, to recognize that if it's not good yet, you're not done. And so, God, we honor you today, and we thank you for that. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for your promises, God. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for your goodness. God, your goodness is running after us in every moment. Surely, your goodness and unfailing love will pursue us all the days of our life. And we will live in the house of the Lord forever. So God, thank you for these promises. Thank you for your goodness. God, help us see the good in this week. Make this
is a priority, an attitude adjustment, a change in perspective that we might see the world through your eyes. We might see the good. So God, thank you for today. And it's in your name that we pray. And we all said, amen. amen.